Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. You may be seated. Gisela, I invite you forward uh, to read. And as she does that before she reads, I just want to talk briefly about uh, this Micah passage. And I've talked about this before. Um, I'm sure you do it. Uh, I know I have done it and still do it, but sometimes it gets to the readings, particularly maybe these Old Testament or the readings from the Hebrew Bible, uh, whether it's a psalm or something from Isaiah, and uh, it doesn't seem to make sense to you. Does that ever occur to anybody? Right, I think Erin put her hand up right away, right? It just doesn't make sense. It's names, places, people, customs that we just aren't familiar with. And what's happening is... When we have these readings very frequently, even with the gospel reading, it's like we get in a window into the middle of a conversation that is already occurring. Have you ever come into the middle of a conversation between two people and think you know what's going on in reality, you have no clue what's going on? Or you think you're at somewhere and you lit and you're like, I don't know what they're talking about. You make your way somewhere else. You just kind of tune out maybe until it gets to something that you understand. I think that happens frequently with our readings. So what's going on here in Micah is we have a window into a conversation um, that the prophet Micah is writing to the people. And so I'd like to tell you a bit about what this conversation is. So when you have the reading, it might make a bit more sense. Micah is one of the prophets from the Old Testament, which means... What he is doing is speaking truth to people. Is he a popular person? No, because he's telling people what they need to hear, not necessarily what they want to hear. So as we said before, the people were in slavery in Egypt. They were rescued. They crossed the Red Sea. They set up in the promised land. And they have unfortunately gone from being the oppressed now being the oppressors. God kind of had hopes and dreams for the way they would live and conduct themselves and how they would look out for each other. And they are not doing that. And so Micah, along with other Hebrew Bible prophets, Old Testament prophets, are calling out the people, talking about how they are not caring for each other, particularly those who are not doing as well as them. And so we come into this conversation and you're going to hear three different things going on. It first is going to be set up in verses 1 and 2, where it says, hear what the Lord says, right? So <laughs> there's something coming. Then in 3, you hear God's voice. What have I done to you? So God's going to say there's a problem going on, right? Then in verse 6, the people's response. God says there's a problem. Here is the people's response, or how the prophet would say the people typically would respond to it. 
And then at the end, coming with uh, verse right at the end, 8. Here is the proper response. Right? So then the prophet says, I hear what you're saying. Here is what? God says there's a problem. People say, what do you want me to do about it? The prophet says, here's really what you should do about it. Does that make sense? So knowing that, Issa, if you would read for us, please. The reading is from Micah 6, verses 1 to 8. Hear what the Lord says. Plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with them. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? In what have I want, wearied you? Answer me, for I brought you out from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember now that King Balak of Moab devised what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him, and what happened from Shedem to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Word of God, word of life. Thank you. The kids want to come on up. I think it might just be... Oh, oh, excellent. Perfect. Come on up. I'll take five as a seat up here. All right, do you guys know what a logo is? What's a logo? Right, so it's, if there's a sponsor or a company, it might be the image, right, that you would see that represents the company. So it's not, sometimes it's their name, but maybe there's something unique about their name as it's written out. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's a picture added to it, or it's written in different colors, all those kind of things. So I got some logos I'm going to show you, all right? And I bet you, you, they all have the name with it also, all right? FedEx. Are you peeking ahead of me already? You, all right. So the first one is what? FedEx, all right? All right. FedEx. We're going to come back to FedEx again. This next one is... They're not as popular anymore, are they? Does anyone know what that one is? Baskin Robbins. That's right. Do you guys know what Baskin Robbins does? Wow. All right. What's Baskin Robbins? They all know it. Ben and Jerry's would have been the one now, maybe, huh? All right, let's see what this next one is. Tostitos. You love Tostitos. All right, I got one more I'm going to show you. You guys all see the Tostitos? One more I'm going to show you. Have you ever heard of Amazon before? You buy tons of things from Amazon. So we're going to start there. Now, what logos, what companies do with their logos... They sometimes hide an image that maybe you might not see right away, but it's kind of done subliminally. You know what that word means, subliminally? 
of the eye in the Tositos is an incredible symbol. It does look like that, right? But so what I mean, though, it's subliminally, is that there's another message within this Amazon logo that they want to tell you about the company. Does anyone know what the image in the Amazon logo? Oh, Amazon Prime, the smile. You got it. So we have an arrow with a smile, so it makes you feel what? Happy. So let's shop and let's be happy. The Z is a little curved. Does anyone know what the other, Judy's smiling over there, what the other subliminal message is in the Amazon logo? Do you want to say, Judy? Do you know? Jonathan? From A to Z. They sell everything from A to Z. Oh. You're welcome. They sell everything from A to Z, so it's a subliminal message. Now, do you think you can look at Amazon logo and not see that anymore? Right? So I got another one for you. What is this logo? FedEx. It is a shipping company. From F to X. I like the way you're thinking, Nathan. It is like the shipping company, but that's not subliminal message in it. Does anyone know what the subliminal message is in FedEx? It is copyright. Does anyone else know what the it is in FedEx? Mark? There is an arrow between the E and the X. There is an arrow, am I pointing at it? Between the E and the X. You see what I'm looking at, right? So because they're moving your stuff forward, they're getting it to where it needs to go. It's going forward. There's all, you'll never be able to look at FedEx and not see that arrow again. Right. So here we go. I got another one for you. What's this one? Baskin Robbins. You're right. It says BR at the top. But do you see another? Now, I know everybody else here will probably get it pretty quick. What is it? Elijah? You see a 31, don't you? Look, 3-1. Why do you think there's 31 in Baskin Robbins? There's 31 flavors. They want you to be thinking about how many different flavors of ice cream there are. So you may not see it right away, but it's there, 31. Now we got one more. What's, you can't unsee it. What's the next one, Nathan? Do you remember? Tostitos. Now, I don't want you to see. It has to do with the eye, but it's not the incredible eye. Does anyone know what the subliminal message there is in Tostitos? You know, what is it? It's chips and salsa. You have two people, the, the letters S-T-I-T-O. Look at the C-I-T, it's chips and salsa. Look, two people with arms, there's a chip and a bowl of salsa for Tostitos. How many people are going to buy Tostitos today for the Super Bowl? Are you still going to watch the Super Bowl with New England not in it? I mean, the rest of us do. I don't know if you know that practice. The rest of us watch even when our team's not in it. But look, now when you see Tostitos, what are you always going to see? The chips and salsa, right? Once you see it, you can't unsee it. So this is why I bring up logos to you guys today. We're going to hear some, a reading uh, from Jesus called the Beatitudes. And he wants people to see the world differently. He's really challenging. People think the world works one way that God loves certain people more. And Jesus comes and says something different. He wants them to see things differently and wants them never to be able to see the world the same way again.
Does that make sense? <clears throat> because we believe in God, because we know that God loves us, we should look at everybody else in a different light. Is there, who's the best person in here? <laughs> Who does God love most in here? <coughs> Who does God love most? Everybody. Does God love somebody more than others? But sometimes we act like that, don't we? We act like that. And Jesus reminded the people that's not how we should act, that we need to see the world differently. Always and never forget. Can we pray? Dear God, we ask for new eyes so we can see the world in new ways. Help us to see the world the way you see it. By your love and through your ways. In your name we pray. Thank you for coming up. Give me five. As they make their way back, I invite the congregation to stand as they are able as we sing the gospel acclamation. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 5. I want to say a couple things before I read it. This is the first teaching we get from Jesus in the gospel of Matthew. So far up to this point, we have the genealogy and we have the birth of Jesus of which it goes through Joseph's story. The angel comes to Joseph. Then we have this, many of the stories we've heard recently. We have John the Baptist uh, announcing the baptism of Jesus. Then we skipped over the temptation in the desert. And then we had last week the calling of the first disciples. But we really haven't heard Jesus speak anything. So this is the first time as Jesus comes onto the scene that he speaks to the people that we have uh, recorded words of some level. Think about the impact about the way the world thought to have worked and perhaps the way we think the world still does work and what Jesus is saying here today, then and to us now. Does it go along with the way we view things work? Or does it make us see things different? When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <coughs> Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. <clears throat> Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. <clears throat> Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. 
I'm going to wade into dangerous waters this morning. Just so you're aware, I might say some things. It makes me a little anxious sometimes when I talk about uh, events of the day and how our faith might influence them, knowing that half of you might really like it, half of you may really not, and depending on what it is, that half might change. That it's not necessarily the same. The Beatitudes are not something that we are to follow, so to speak. It's not a list of rules like the Ten Commandments that I think uh, sometimes we make it out to be. In fact, I remember I had to give a sermon uh, during a preaching class in seminary, and the assigned topic was uh, this passage, the Beatitudes. And I remember thinking I thought I did a really good job. And the first words that after we give the sermon in class, uh, my professor, Professor Geary, um, you know, said, fine, let me ask everybody something. After that sermon, what are the Beatitudes? What did Tim make you think you needed to do with the Beatitudes? And the response was, we need to do, how did it go? To practice them or to do them. Like it was a list of things we needed to follow. I remember him saying, it's not that we need to follow them, it's that we somehow need to embody them. It might be a, a slight difference, but I think it's an important difference. When we hear the Beatitudes, I hope they have an effect on us at some level, like a logo, right? We've seen FedEx over and over again, but are we ever going to see it the same way again? Is there going to be something different when we look at it? Our eyes are going to be drawn there and not to what we initially saw. And I think that is something that the Beatitudes are there to do, to change the way we see ourselves and see the world. And because we are changed the way we see ourselves, we see the world, it propels us to behave, to act, to think differently. Does that make sense? It's not a list of rules to follow, but I like it's something, how do we embody? So this is where I think it might get into, might make some of you upset, might make some of you happy, and I'm not going to say who's who. We have a big week coming up in this country, don't we? Do you think over the next three days, we have the Iowa caucuses tomorrow. Tuesday night, we have the State of the Union address by President Trump and on Wednesday, the Senate votes on impeachment. That's a whole lot happening, isn't it? Does anybody have opinions on any of those things? <laughs> I'm not asking you what your opinions are. I'm not going to tell you what my opinion is. What I want to talk is about what forms our opinion. Does that make sense? What forms our opinions on if you're going to, uh, for New Hampshire, right, the prim Democratic primary is a week from Tuesday. And then we have the general election back in November. So as you think about what you do when you go in that box, what forms, what guides that? Does that make sense? What guides it? As you, if you listen or read reports or whatever it might be about the State of the Union address, and what President Trump has to say about the country. 
What is the lens you choose to interpret what you hear with? Does that make sense? When it comes to Wednesday, and we hear what's going on in Congress, whether it's been the House of Representatives, whether it's been the Senate, whether it's been we have witnesses or we don't have witnesses, or is there new testimony that's able to come up, or new documentation, whatever it might be. As you hear news of the world going on around us, we all interpret it, don't we? What is the lens in which we use to interpret those events going on around us? To me, I don't know if there's anything better than the Beatitudes to help us interpret what is going on around us. Because the Beatitudes help us to, what do we think about how we view the way the world works? How does the world work? This is what the Old Testament prophet Micah was challenging the people with. They had gone from the oppressed to the oppressors. And Micah was calling them out. Because they had started to ignore the widow, the orphan, and ostracizing people, those who were diseased. You deserve that because if you had just lived right, maybe you wouldn't have gotten sick. Maybe if you had just done this, then that wouldn't have befallen you. So it's your own fault that you're in that situation or God's the one who's punishing you. And I must have done something right. It's not just about how we view other people, it's how we view ourselves too at the same time, isn't it? Anybody have a little bitter, bit bigger of an ego than what you should have? Think yourself is a little bit more important than maybe what you are? The gospel of Jesus Christ the message of God throughout the scriptures should challenge your core values of what you have held. And therefore, it should disturb you. You understand, when it gets to the end of the gospel lesson today, the Matthew one, what does it say about the prophets from the past? Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Today in our country, Christians are under this idea that they are being persecuted because of the way they are being treated. <clears throat> Persecution comes because of the way what God is calling us, the way Christians have treated others. Not about how you feel you are being treated, but God and the prophets always speak out against good religious people of the day and say what you think about what you are doing. The world is not how it should be. Quit pointing the, people, the finger at others and look at yourself and how are you contributing to that? Anybody contributing to it in negative ways? How many people like to admit that? The gospel of Christ should make us think about how we view others and how we view the events of the world around us. This is why I believe it's okay to talk about politics, but it's not okay to be partisan when I talk about politics. 
politics are about the way we govern ourselves, right? These common laws that we agree to on how we're going to treat each other. You think God cares about how we treat each other. Hence, I think it's okay to talk about issues that are going on during the day. Now, if I were to say, this party has all the issues correct, and this is who you need to vote for, then you can throw me out. Because that's not the case. Nobody has it right. We're people, we're imperfect. But too often, would you agree that we decide one party, the one that we say we belong to, is right more than the other party? It doesn't matter what it says. It's who said it. And if they said it, I must disagree with it. That doesn't happen today, does it? That's where our faith calls us out. And to listen to what is being said, and not necessarily who is saying it. And when we hear what is being said, the question that should always arise, is this for the good of my neighbor? Is this good? For the widow, the orphan, the oppressed, the sick, the lonely, the minority, whatever it might be. It is not about what is best for me. As Christians, we trust what is best for the other is good for us. And I think that's what the Beatitudes are getting to. We use that word blessed frequently when it comes to... Um, when things go right in our life. I got the job. Oh, I'm so blessed. My kids were born healthy. Oh, I'm so blessed. There was a sale at the Macy's the other day. Oh, I'm so blessed. <laughs> you see how we throw that around in the wrong way? I like, who is God close to? I've said this before. Who is God close to? Way of the day, back then, I think frequently look at it this way. God is close to those who are doing well. Right? You deserve it, whatever, you're better. Right? You have more worth. You have more value. Your opinion matters more. What if we turn that upside down and we said, God is close to those. Listen to these again. God is close to those who are poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. God is close to those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God is close to the meek, for they will inherit the earth. God is close to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. God is close to the merciful, for they will receive mercy. God is close to the pure in heart, for they will see God. God is close to those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We advocate for those who we believe God is close to, for who the world says you have less value. You don't count. How are you going to be treated? fairly often. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you, 
and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Yet rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.